It is available on a, a streaming service called Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of that. <laughs> you can call me Vicky. Um, Vicky! Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantees implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. What I would do, Luke, if you would let me finish, is talk to the man. Try to show him the error of his ways to the best of my ability. Challenge his ideas. Exchange thoughts. Provoke change by intelligent debate. Hello, everybody. What's up? Hello, how's everybody doing? This hey. is this is Recotopia episode 43. 43. I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. Today's big Yeah, yeah. Chad is hopping in today. Today's be- uh, big recommend is The Last Supper from 1996, even though it's I think it had a festival circuit in 1995. So IMDb says it's a 1995 movie, even though <laughs> <laughs> um, that's your favorite but, thing it <laughs> is my favorite thing um uh but um yeah uh yeah uh, yes chat is hopping today once again lots of people from twitch and not so much youtube but uh we are uh doing this live in front of people on twitch and youtube today and mm-hmm. we are glad to have you guys out uh and about and hopping on chat today uh do you have any small recommends jeremy it's no big deal it's so small and light it's small it's tiny it's petite it's wee i do i'm still uh my cup still runneth over on small recommends mm. uh, and so i'm gonna start out with a little movie um that came out i think last year no this year 2022 jerry and marge go large mm. now this is brian mm. cranston and annette benning um and rain wilson uh after a while and uh this is on showtime and paramount plus um and this might have been one of those showtime originals or paramount plus showtime originals um 60 something on rotten tomatoes i think it's a little better than that but the reason to enjoy this movie is that everyone's just having a quaint good time uh this is not going to win any acting awards uh even though both the actors are fine uh, it's not going to win any screenwriting awards because it's not very ambitious um <clears throat> if if it were any other people i would say maybe this was a paycheck movie that just turned out <laughs> to be enjoyable um because no one's really shooting the moon here um but it's a very charming easygoing ride um this is based on a true story it's actually based on a huffington post article about these two real people um and Brian Cranston plays this guy who just retired in this, you know, rundown Michigan town uh, that has like this production plant that's laying people off and the town is dying. And he discovers with all his free time, um, a loophole in what is called the windfall lottery in Michigan, which at the time, if I'm understanding this correct, had like <clears throat> a multiplier that would kick in and he figured out that if he bought enough tickets on that the weekend they did that multiplier he would win um on enough of his purchased tickets to make his money back and maybe a little more so he spends <laughs> he goes to the bank there's a very humorous scene he's like i would like to take out four thousand dollars please and she <laughs> says okay and he's like how much is in our account she says eight and he goes all right I'll take out $6,000, please. <laughs> and she goes, okay. And he's like, I'll take all eight. Uh, reminiscent of that <laughs> Elaine with the <laughs> the birth control purchase at the yes. pharmacy. Just give me the whole box. Um, yes. So he puts $8,000 on this scheme without telling his wife. Um, but he wins $15,000. Um, and then he tells his wife. And she's very willing to keep doing this. Uh, and they both love this town and all the people in it. And so they decide to see if they can win enough money to do some good in the town. And it's not very long before they're winning 
tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, Massachusetts has a similar lottery. So they start driving once a month to Massachusetts and staying in a hotel. Um, and they start making millions. So they bring in the townspeople as shareholders. They create a company. And they're basically like, you give us some money. We'll add it to the pool. We're going to win. Whatever percentage you put in, you'll get back. And this is guaranteed to work. Uh, and they end up signing up like 50, 60 people in the town. And at this point, have still not gotten caught. And they this requires them to print so many tickets. They go to Rain Wilson's uh, gas station and ask to buy like 10,000 tickets. He's like, that's going to take me eight hours to print out. I can't, I can't do that. I've got a job. I've got, and so that cuts to them. And now Brian Cranston and Annette Benning work for the gas station and they just stand there printing out their 10,000 tickets. And it gets to the point where they, they spend five, six days in a row, 12 hours a day, just printing out goddamn tickets. Jeez. But they're minting money. Um, and I think that's pretty much where I'm going to stop because at that point, um, it's discovered that there's another group who's doing the same scam. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and these are shitty Harvard kids uh, with dickhead personalities. I do want to shout out this actor. His name is Uli Schlesinger. Schlesinger? He's really good. Um, yeah. I, I hadn't seen him before, but I guess he's in um, Search Party, the TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, it's a pretty interesting ride from there uh as to what happens and how everything is resolved um and i really enjoyed it so again it's on showtime paramount plus jerry and march go large give the, these uh loopholes that people find in contests sometimes those are just so those are always fun to read about right because when people make a contest they don't they're not they they think oh this will be cool you know and they don't think about like any potential issue that could arise from that you know until somebody who's like really thinks about it and thinks through the whole thing it well, reminds like Adam me Sandler. Of, oh go ahead <clears throat> i was about to say punch drug love yeah <clears throat> where he's getting all those little uh tops of cans and boxes and stuff so that he can get that free vacation to hawaii and uh which is a which is just a metaphor for adam sandler's own life but sure uh, <laughs> but i think that was based on a real person who it, found it was a, a loophole and then there's this i think there's a documentary out or coming soon about a guy who somehow won uh what pepsi thought was an unwinnable contest for a harrier jet and mm -hmm. had to sue them to get the jet and i think the documentary is called pepsi where's my jet <laughs> oh that yeah that is that's okay, on netflix right now i think yeah it's a docu-series I, I need to watch it yeah it's on netflix um mm -hmm. but yeah that was another one where he found some kind of a loophole to win and they thought no one was it's like bart and stampy the elephant Nobody, yeah, yeah. they never thought anybody would choose the elephant and <laughs> so they didn't even have a loophole they just didn't like, think oh, it that was sounds awful tempting but i think i'd like the elephant <laughs> um uh speaking of netflix uh you are familiar with this as well and i and uh, i'm i'm sure that you were were uh, would have this in your chamber at some point but uh the series wednesday mm. is is uh it's really charming and good. I really liked it. Uh, eight episodes and starring the hottest actor on the planet, probably Jenna Ortega, um, who plays Wednesday Adams uh, in a in a manner that's you know reminiscent of how Christina Ricci played it back in the day, but with her own stuff. And she's an older Wednesday Adams in this. She's a high school student. Um, she obviously couldn't cut it in regular high schools because she's too weird basically. And, but lo and behold, there is an actual school that people can put their kids in when they're too weird or if they're <laughs> werewolves or vampires or any of these kind of things. And that's the school that she goes to. And uh, I'm sure much has been made of this. I haven't read much uh, about the series outside of just me watching it, but Jenna Ortega, I don't think blanks the entire series. Like her eyes are are like this the whole time. Never I've read blinks. that she does not. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't think she blinks once. I actually noticed this about twenty minutes into that first episode, and I was like, I wonder if she ever does. And I don't think she does. They do cut away from her so that I don't think she does has to do it for like you know long periods of time. But anyway. I like, I like stuff like this where they take a, an existing property and then they just kind of, 
it's still got the same tone, but it's not, it's, it's not, uh, it, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be an Adams family again. It does. It's, it's based on one character and she goes to the school and very soon we find out that there is some creature out in the woods killing people and the local cop thinks that maybe it's a bear, but it doesn't seem like a bear, but it has all the hallmarks of maybe a bear. But it's also close to the school where all lot, a lot of so-called weirdos are, and he thinks that possibly some one of these one of these kids who goes to the school is one of those weirdos. So um, the one of those uh, it could be somebody who who transforms into this big beast. Um, and so Wednesday is sort of doing a, a, a she's a detective basically in this in this uh, series where she's anybody in the school could be that person, but she's trying to find out, uh, she's anybody in the school could be the beast. Uh, but she is, uh, going around basically like talking to everybody and learning things about the history of the town. This school's in and history of the school itself. And, uh, you know, and Christina Ricci, Ricci herself shows up as a, like a plants nice. professor, uh or something like that and uh so and she and and uh jenna ortega have a couple of scenes and it's really kind of wild watching them usually when you see uh one of these like oh yeah she was in the other thing and they put her in the new thing it's just a cameo but christina yeah. ricci actually has a real role in this oh nice um and uh but uh but anyway um lots of lots of good actors in here and uh jenna ortega i i love her to death ever since scream that new scream came out which i did not like that much but she was really good at it uh i have seen her in just a billion things and i and i think she's just one of these she's one of these that's going to be our like florence Pugh or something like that yeah. that's going to be in a lot of like really big stuff in the next few years you know i think every time an actress comes along like this and goes from nowhere to everywhere i should just assume she was a, a disney child star because jenna ortega was and i only learned this yesterday when this video is going around of her on this show where I think she played like the middle child in a mm -hmm. big family. And she turns to the camera and says, if my life was a day of the week, it would be Wednesday. And she's like 11 years old at this point. And so yeah. the clip's going around saying she predicted this, that she would get this role. <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, it, I saw her on uh, Kimmel the other day and she said that one of her first acting jobs was in a McDonald's commercial and she was uh, doing Happy Meal stuff. Oh, wow. And and it was sort of like, a, I guess the actors were rotating whether they would be fries or the burger or the apples or whatever. And she said she always ended up as the apples. And and now she hates apples and and throws up uh, whenever, <laughs> whenever she sees apples because she's disgusted by them or whatever. Nice. So anyway, that's a she's a spirit animal of cinema sins, and uh, and uh, anyway, Wednesday's a ton of fun. I wouldn't say like, hey, this is like groundbreaking television or something like that, but it's really fun. I think if you like Harry Potter, you know those the, Harry. It's it's not Harry Potter. It's not them learning how to be weird. They're already weird. It's just, um, it's just it's got it's got that school aspect to it and all these different cliques and things like that um uh with people who have different kinds of abilities and everything so it has that kind of feel to it and it's just a lot of fun jenna ortega has some really fun lines in it and and you know unlike some of the adams family stuff that that i've seen in the past you know how where they will say something as negative is actually positive you know yes. like you know it and and sometimes that's great in Adam's family. They they actually really hit it on the head that something negative can be positive. But sometimes you're like, I'm confused because sometimes you say that you're sad and you really mean that you are sad. And sometimes you say that you're sad and it's beautiful that you're sad. So I don't know what it, what you're talking about. In this one, it seems like they really really thought these out. Whenever she says something that's like a little bit ironic in in tone, and. Uh, and, and, and like, you can actually see how it could be a positive when she spins those things like the Adams family does. So anyway, I, I really enjoyed this series. Very excited about checking this out. It is definitely on my list. It is, I think I read become Netflix, like biggest show ever. I think it knocked season two of Bridgerton off 
the charts as the number one show. I would have sworn Stranger Things would have been one of the their all time top shows. I, I might guess have not. read the headline wrong. Maybe it was uh, yeah. uh, non horror. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, I, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if Bridgerton was their top their but top also, series. These headlines are written after the streaming service just says a thing. There's no reason to believe whatever they say is true. Mm -hmm. They may just be trying to hype this so that people hear that and think, oh, I haven't seen it yet, but everyone's That's seen it. That's very true. Very true. And, <clears throat> and, and and more and more you have you have you realize you have to be skeptical of almost everything that you read and it sucks. So <laughs> so um all right. All right. <clears throat> I'm gonna go with my second uh, small recommend is an Instagram um account um <clears throat> i'm gonna spell it out because i'm not sure if this is a name or just letters <laughs> and i apologize that this is a little weird but once i get into it i think you're gonna appreciate it the instagram account is k-s-r-h-o-a-d-s i think it's k-s roads r-h-o-a-d-s um <clears throat> hit me up on twitter if you need the link this guy, I believe he's like a jingle writer and studio musician. I think he lives in Nashville even. But he has started a new series where he spins one wheel that has his favorite music acts. And then he spins another wheel that has popular uh, children's songs. He has a two-year-old daughter. And so the first one he does is uh, that Baby Shark song. Um, and I forget what the band is. Let me log into my own Instagram and see. Um, so he spins and gets uh, Baby Shark and Radiohead doing Baby Shark. Oh, um, nice. Then he does uh, Bonnever or Bonnever um, doing Wheels on the Bus. Then he does <laughs> Dave Matthews doing the Sesame Street song. But uh, he eventually does Beach Boys, uh, Beastie Boys, Bob Dylan, The National, Pearl Jam, and the most recent one is a Hamilton riff. This is not just cute, ladies and gentlemen. This is incredible. What's going to keep you wanting to, to follow this guy is that he does dead on musical and voice, uh, basically impressions of these artists. Like he does the Dave Matthews Sesame Street and he's like, um, wishing my clouds away, going to get down, going to get down. And there's like a clarinet <laughs> in the background. Um, the sound is it's mind blowing. The comments are all like, how do you keep doing this? And then the Hamilton mm -hmm. one is his, I, I can see why he hasn't done another one in a couple of weeks because that Hamilton one's going to be impossible to top. It's incredible. Uh, but if you like music and you like interesting takes on stuff, this is the best musical impressionist I think I've ever heard since the Simpsons. The Simpsons were always great at, at riffing on like they're, Flaming Moe's song sounds just like the Cheers song, even though it's not just like the Cheers song. This guy mm -hmm. is that good. Uh, so check it out. I think you'd be able to at least maybe watch one or two videos if you don't have an Instagram account. But if you have an Instagram account, you can watch them all. Uh, and it's weird to, to recommend an Instagram account, but the content is just that good. So there you go. Yeah, I definitely want to see that. I, I, I like the idea of him going all out instead of you know, doing the cutesy thing, like, ha ha ha, this is Dave Matthews band, blah, blah, blah. And you get a couple of things that kind of sound like it. And he's going full out with instruments and everything. He's yes. like, I want to make this good music so, videos. He enlists his friends. The beastie boys one is my favorite. Uh, Cause the beastie boys do the ABC song. It's like three minutes long. It's incredible. You said his name is KSR. KS Hodes or KS KSR. Rhodes. H Oh, Rhodes. But it's R-H-O-A-D-S. Oh, R-H-O-A-D-S. I'll tell you what. Okay. Oh, there it is. Somebody, Slab, just put it in the chat down there for you Good, guys. good, good, good. Awesome. Thank you, Slab. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that I watched a few weeks ago. I'm not going to remember every single detail about it, but it's really good. Uh, Decision to Leave, uh, the new Ooh. Chanwick Park movie uh, of old boy fame. Um, this is a really <laughs> detailed uh uh like mystery movie uh and it's it's got a lot of like ins and outs and twists and things of that nature in it so i'm going to talk to it up to a point and then i'll let the viewer decide if they want to see this so, okay uh a detective go the uh, detective goes out to this mountain where there's a guy lying dead and they don't know if this guy fell off or he was pushed off mm. and you see like a sort of a you know kind of a this investigation like what happened to him like well he definitely 
and when he fell off, his head hit up here, and then he hit here. His head hit here, and then he hit down here, and it shows you the spots where he definitely like land, like crashed into the mountain or whatever. Um, and so the uh, investigation immediately goes over to this man's wife, who's a much younger woman, uh, but and she doesn't seem to be all that upset that he's dead. And so there's instant uh, sort of uh, a suspicion that she might be involved in his death. But uh, she has a airtight alibi. She goes and helps the elderly with uh, certain things in the mornings. And on that particular morning, uh, one of her uh, clients or patients or whatever says, yeah, yeah, she was here on Monday when this happened. So like, uh, so it doesn't seem like a big deal, but yet she still does seem very suspicious. Hmm. And the detective starts following her around or mm. stalking, however you would like to, however you'd like to, uh, you know, see that and starts falling in love with her even. And, um, they start a romance, which is, uh, you know, which is a, a bad thing cause he's married mm. and he's got a wife that he only sees once a week in some other town. And, uh, and they have an okay relationship, but not anything that could probably withstand, uh, a, uh, cheating, but, uh, they, they don't go, they don't go too far, but it's enough to be like, it's an emotional kind of thing going on. Hmm. And this movie, you're like, it, it's like a whole movie up in the first half of this, basically where it's like all this stuff happens. And then she tells him that she needs help with one of her clients. Could you go and do the things that I do with her, uh, and help me out? When he goes to talk to this woman, he finds things out that changes the whole aspect of the mystery that he's been trying to solve. Mm -hmm. Um, and I won't tell you exactly what he finds out, mm -hmm. but it changes their relationship, obviously. And then it goes to the second half of the movie where he has moved to another town and he's with his wife now more often. And guess what? this woman who he was investigating in that first half of the movie has moved to the same town. And now <clears throat> there's now, now the stakes are raised for their relationship to have even more fire and everything. And even more, th even more deaths start happening and even more, even more suspicions arise. And so, uh, did she do it? Did she not? I'm going to leave that up to you. It's a really mm -hmm. good mystery. Uh, it's got one of the most devastating endings I've seen in a movie in a while. Um, mm. it's, it's one of those, it's one of those kind of endings where you're like, Oh, fuck is what you'll be doing okay. at the end of this. Okay. Uh, and, uh, so I think you would really love this, Jeremy. This is, I think this is up your alley. Uh, mm. Chanwick park is always worth watching. And, uh, this is a good movie that's uh, I, making the rounds. Uh, I, I feel bad because a few days back, I decided between this movie and um, what the fuck is that movie? T Triangle of Sadness. Mm -hmm. um, when I chose Triangle of Sadness, which left me sad, I did not enjoy as much as I hoped to. And I wish I had watched mm -hmm. this instead. Um, well, and this but, one may end up making you sad, too. Um, well, no, it's not sad because the movie made me sad. It's sad because the movie wasn't entertaining to me. Oh, uh, I see. Triangle of Sadness is not actually very sad. It's kind of a dark <laughs> okay. comedy. Um, mm -hmm. But I have I have issues. There's a reason that's not one of my small recommends today. Um, <clears throat> because I, yeah. I, can't, I can't recommend it. I, I, I tell you, that's the, the hardest thing about this show is that when you are during the week, you're like, oh, I'll give this movie a chance. And if it's not good... <laughs> Um, then you're scrambling to try to find something that is so that you can fill in this, this little segment. And it, right. uh, a lot of times, a lot of times I've been like watching a movie, like I, I know for a fact is good early in the morning, just so that I can get something on the show. So, uh, anyway, um, all right, we're on to the big recommend. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just that you're so... Big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Uh, which is The Last Supper from 1996, uh, directed by Stacy Title, who, after this movie, I don't think did very much. Uh, in fact, made a movie in 2021. Uh, was the next one, maybe? Maybe she did something in between. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, she, uh, she died last year too. That's, mm. uh, yeah, I don't remember what, uh, what the cause was of that, but, um, but one of those, one of those directors who comes out with a movie that's so memorable and you think, oh, that person had probably had a pretty decent career after this. And then it's like, kind of disappeared for whatever reason, mm. probably just personal reasons or, or some other, some other weird thing. Um, uh, but, uh, this movie has a very simple premise. Uh, you have, uh, a bunch of, you have, you have five, uh, people living in a house. They're all pursuing their like graduate degrees or something like that. They're all liberals. Uh, and, uh, they have, uh, uh, a thing apparently where they bring somebody over every week, some stranger, I guess, people that they've met off the street or something like that. Um, and, uh, that's something that they do. They have a conversation with somebody every week and that's their thing. That's what they're doing. Well, on this one particular night, uh, one of them is supposed to bring somebody, but that person has, uh, bowed out or didn't show up or something like that. And, uh, he has car trouble and somebody comes, somebody comes along and helps him. And that person is played by Bill Paxton. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, they bring Bill Paxton, uh, he, he, Bill Paxton brings this guy to the door and, and he doesn't think that he does, he doesn't think he's going to go to, he's not thinking about going to dinner or anything. He's just helping the guy out. Basically. That's all it is. And, but, uh, since they didn't have their guest, they go ahead and ask Bill Paxton if he'll, if he'll stay. And he's like, uh, okay. He seems kind of hesitant about doing it. He doesn't really want to do this, but eh, Hey, you know, free meal it's, uh, they're, they're having lasagna. It's good. Um, so, uh, so yeah, he comes in and they start talking. And so, yeah, you have, uh, you have, uh, recognizable actors like Courtney B Vance and Cameron mm -hmm. Diaz and mm -hmm. Annabeth Gish in here, mm -hmm. Ron Elder, you've probably seen in a few things. Uh, the guy that plays, um, the other guy that's in this Mark is the character name. Yeah. Mark is the character name. He's actually Stacy titles, actual husband in real life. Oh, wow. Um, I wrote down that he looks like Chris Evans and yeah, Jonathan Penner is his name. Jonathan Penner is the other guy. So they're in the middle of, uh, uh, in, of this conversation and, <laughs> Bill Paxton starts saying a lot of stuff about Hitler <laughs> and uh, he seems to be apologetic of Hitler and, and uh, he, they, uh, it's, it's such a stunning thing for these people to hear anybody say anything good. Like they have never heard anybody say anything good about Hitler, but yet here there is somebody in their house right now spouting pro-hitler propaganda basically and and so it gets really bad it gets really really bad to the point that bill paxton wants to prove a point and he hold he holds uh he holds one of them at knife point and threatens to rape one of them even though he's just kidding quote unquote and uh and uh it gets it gets far enough that he himself ends up stabbed 
and the back. And, um, and so it, at first, all of them are upset about having killed somebody, but they're trying to justify it. They end up justifying it by saying he was a bad person. And it all is based on this whole argument about if you go back to Austria in 1909 and you find Hitler and he hasn't done anything yet and, uh, and he hasn't done anything bad yet, do you kill him? And the sort of the idea is it doesn't matter if somebody hasn't done anything bad yet. If you feel like they have bad tendencies, maybe it's a good thing to kill them, which is a weird thing for a bunch of liberals to think of, but we're in movie land. And, uh, and so that's what they, how they justify, uh, ended up killing Bill Paxton and, and, uh, they bury him out in the backyard. And then the idea comes to the point where it's like, he said that, you know, Bill Paxton said something to the effect of, liberals never do anything republicans go out right-wing people go out and do do stuff that they believe in and the liberals are always bitching about it and so these guys all come together and say you know what we should start doing stuff about it we're going to find people who are in the news and we're going to invite them to dinner and we're going to poison their wine and we're and they're going to die in front of us and we're going to make a difference in the world so it becomes uh, a parade of celebrities basically who came in to do work. Bill Paxton apparently did this part with a, it was like a week off doing Apollo 13. Uh, he came in to do this part, uh, which is really fun. Uh, is but fun. you have, but you have people like Charles Durning, who's making his second appearance on a, uh, a, a big recommend. Yes, he indeed. was in the Hudsucker proxy. Uh, we have Jason Alexander. We have uh, Mark Harmon, who's, who may have, I don't know, he may have the funniest part in this. He's the one who makes me the laugh, laugh the most, I think, because he <laughs> says all this stuff about like women are the dominated and the men are the dominators and all that. And, and then <laughs> Courtney B. Vance says something like, like uh, oh, you just want them in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant. He's like, oh, no, I, I think that'd be a little sexist. um uh so it's just a it's just a cavalcade of people dying now there's a backdrop to this as well there's a missing girl by the way the missing girl in the picture is elizabeth moss 13 Hmm. years old Hmm. um uh there's a missing girl that uh that has sort of uh captured the imagination of the town and everybody's worried about what's happened to this little girl and there is a cop played by Nora Dunn who is going around uh, asking questions, going door to door, like real old school type of stuff here, like asking everybody questions. Um, at some point, her investigation does end up on this house because Ron Eldard left his car down by the road where he had guns stored in it for some reason, just out in the open. And, um, and when she's talking to him about that, she brings up, uh, the possibility of someone from out of town. And this is all set in Iowa. I believe all of it's in Iowa. I think, um, he's taught, he, uh, she tells him about the, uh, this guy who, uh, went missing, who could possibly be the guy who kidnapped this little girl. And maybe, did you know anything about it? And he, without any, without thinking at all says, oh yeah, that guy, guy helped me out and he took me back home and, and all that. So now her investigation goes to this house. And, um, I said this, I believe on the Sincast, one of the most tensest moments I've ever seen in a movie is when she is investigating their backyard, which is now growing tomatoes out of all the dead people. And they're having this, like they had this surplus of tomatoes all over the place. They're coming, making sauces and they're all sorts of stuff. Um, the, uh, she's out in the backyard, like looking at these tomato plants and Courtney B Vance has a shovel and, uh, is sitting there talking to her. And it's like this, uh, she's like, Oh, I didn't know you could make tomatoes that are this ripe or whatever. It's like, it's like, it's all topsoil, you know, and it's all, it's like, you just got to keep the ground moving. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and there's a point where you see a close up of her holding the tomato that she took a bite out of. And it's all the juices start squirting out of it because she's, it's such a tense moment. And of course, uh, her fate is pretty sealed by, by, by going out back and then looking back there. Courtney B. Vance in this movie is interesting to me because he is a straight up psychopath in this movie. Um, he's the one who 
from the minute go, he's like, let's kill all these people and no remorse about it whatsoever. And even when, and this is becomes the debate amongst them, even when they can't, even when it seems like they're about to turn somebody's opinion about their, their, uh, about their, uh, their ideas. And I may not have mentioned on the, they're taking these people to dinner who have a variety of right wing, uh, ideas. The Charles Durning character is a priest who has, uh, who, who, uh, who's a pastor who, uh, uh, doesn't, who, who, who hates gay people. And, uh, he, there's a, there's another guy who hates homeless people. And there's a, you know, there's a, there's a girl who, uh, says that we shouldn't have safe sex, uh, education in our schools all these different people have like this one right wing thing that they're trying to convert them on and say, and teach them the error of their ways. And if they don't teach, teach them the error of their ways, then they kill them. Well, now some of them, they don't even, they, they don't even get to the point where they can change the error of their ways. They, 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 there's the one guy who's like, Oh yeah, maybe homeless are people like you and me and they have feelings and everything. And then they're like, well, you are entitled to your opinion. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you're right. And then they end up killing him. And, um, and so, um, but he's, but Courtney B. Vance is the one who's like, I want to kill people a lot. And like, uh, uh, he's, he has no remorse about it either. And, uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of, it's kind of a insane thing. Like he, I don't know if we're supposed to be rooting for him or like, you know, or what, but anyway, um, I don't know if I've missed anything out of all this, but uh, you tell me what you think about this movie. I've, I, okay, this movie was a, a very fun experience because it still plays for me. And I think largely because we have seen some of what this movie posits as ridiculously extreme speech be mirrored by elected officials in America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or rappers or owners of social media um mm -hmm. and so i think that keeps the movie super relevant and i think the acting's really good but there are so many i already saw a slab said this movie's 90s as fuck and it is 90s as fuck like mm -hmm. i had to go when i when i was first starting it i didn't think it was a 90s movie i thought it was like an early aughts movie and i had to go look it up after about 20 minutes because i was like they had to have shot this in the 90s and they did i my, my main point i want to make might surprise you but i would like to talk about carrots um <clears throat> specifically um they eat a lot of carrots in this movie uh, the first meal with bill paxton they have carrot sticks uh, the second uh meal they eat without a guest they're eating carrot sticks where they're deciding whether or not to keep doing this there's mm -hmm. carrots in the salad on the third dinner and then i wrote plate of carrots at fourth dinner what the fuck is going on then there are no more carrots in the movie uh mm -hmm. but it did start me down a path of paying way too much attention to the meals themselves mm -hmm. and the final meal, um, well, no, not the final meal. The girl who doesn't like Catcher in the Rye because it has all the F words. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It looks like they're serving her Kraft mac and cheese and slices of white bread, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure the meals themselves were an afterthought. This movie shot in like 18 days, so I yeah. doubt they, were, they had like a chef who was like prepping every meal. Um, but you know me, once I get fixated on something, um, <clears throat> I do think it's, I mean, it's very clearly not, reality i think this is a fantasy movie at least for the protagonists um <clears throat> although today maybe not so much again mm -hmm. that's what keeps it relevant uh, yeah i do wonder why they even invited that 17 year old girl in the first place yeah like, that's I, a rough scene by the way a is, really rough scene because of how vulgar it gets but also mm -hmm. that sort of suggests they brought her into the home willing to kill her if they couldn't change her mind but she's 17. yeah seven people don't know who they are at 17. there's just parroting what they've been taught so i but the movie carefully does not tell you like who invites each of these people uh only a couple of them you know who invited them but that scene was the one that stuck stuck out to me as maybe they they wouldn't shoot that today if they were making this movie today they definitely wouldn't have courtney b vance say what he says to her which he's he's no he is no different from the monsters he's killing once he says that and that might be the point as well uh is that he's no different from who they're killing at that point castro does make a point i was uh, i was going to make make a mention of this as well as uh, the meals are relevant they mentioned that they weren't serving proper meals anymore yeah the whole the i feel like the whole point of the bad meals that you're seeing on the on the table is that 
uh, it, the meal is irrelevant at that point. They just want to get them over and talk to them and kill them. Yeah, uh, they stop caring about even changing their minds uh, about yeah. halfway through this thing. It's no longer yeah. about trying to convert. It's just about let's get to the killing. Let's get to the killing. I, I think mm. it's I think it's interesting that um, that there how people change throughout this movie. At first, you see Cameron Diaz seems like she's really okay with it. She's in shock at first, but then she's really okay with it. And then she turns, she changes pretty like gradually to like this, all of this we're doing is wrong. Um, the Jonathan Penner character seems like he's okay with it, but he's obviously like, he loses his ability to even have sex with his girlfriend after mm -hmm. a while, but she's totally okay with it. Cause you yep. can see she's like, she's like dying to have sex with him. And he's like, she's like, he's like, no, nah, I can't do it. I can't you know, I'm thinking about this too much. Courtney B. Vance is always a psychopath in this movie. And then Ron Eldred is also kind of a psychopath. in this movie. Yeah. Um, so it's fun seeing some of the character changes throughout this and you know, people realizing that, Hey, this isn't the coolest thing that we're doing. Uh, and, uh, ultimately leading to the Ron Perlman appearance, which is the centerpiece yeah. of this movie. Uh, Ron, uh, Ron Perlman is playing, I think a rush Limbaugh at the time, kind of mm. pundit uh back in the 90s um uh because i think he i think limbaugh was the most prominent conservative uh in the 90s at that time uh perlman's a little bit different than than uh a, he's a little bit different from limbaugh but uh it's got some of the same sentimentality and he's on the t he's on tv and he's saying a lot of things like you know I hate gay pride parades because, you know, remember when we, and, and he turns this into a joke, but he's like, he's like, I remember we went out and everybody got dressed up in all these festive things and colors and everybody was happy. And he's like, wait a minute. Well, maybe that does sound like a gay pride parade or whatever. And so that's <laughs> the big joke that he tells, but, uh, by, by, uh, some sort of happenstance, he ends up at, at an Iowa airport where Courtney B Vance is, and they bring him back to, to dinner. And, he undermines every single thing that they try to do. He, they try to get him to say some things that are, uh, he's so much better at this than they are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very much so. And, um, and when he says, when they, when they give him the Hitler, uh, uh, scenario about whether to kill him or not, he goes, absolutely not. And Courtney B. Vance, you just let all those people die. And then he's like, He's like, no, I would talk to the man and I would try to change him through intelligent debate. <laughs> and this sets sort of a crisis between for, for all the five roommates. Uh, they actually go back into a room somewhere to discuss whether or not they should even kill this guy. This guy is like throwing the, you know, is, is like the perfect dinner guest. He's saying all the intelligent things and killing them with it. While they do that, he goes and he he has he solves the case basically because yeah. he goes out, he sees the newspaper with all the the mysterious deaths in the town. He goes, he looks out in the backyard. There's a bunch of definitely dug up plots out there, um, uh, which is a great shot by the way, where he's going looking out the window and it's Puffing dark and the lightning strikes and he's just got that look on his face like, oh my god, these people have been <laughs> killing people and. And so the question comes down to this. Do you think he poisoned them at the end? Because the movie does not tell you exactly. I feel like, okay, that's an interesting point. Because I feel like the movie should end right as they all lift their glasses to sip and it fades to black. But instead, the movie gives us 30 more seconds of him speaking to a crowd after this and it sounds like a political speech. Mm -hmm. And then we see a painting. The painting clearly tells you the painting thinks they drank and died from the poison. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the movie is kind of nudging you that way, but I wish they had just left it linger so that you didn't know. I feel like that would have been a much more satisfying ending for me personally. Um, I choose to believe they that he did and that they did because I'm dumbfounded that they even drank that shit after what he says he basically says don't worry and i haven't put any of the bad wine in there and i'm surprised right. that didn't tickle all of their hairs and make them go i'm not but drinking they don't 
they can't possibly say, oh, he figured out that we've been killing people and poisoning the wine. He, he, no, they're not, they're not thinking true. that. No. Now, um, <clears throat> now they're now in, in one of the, one of the, uh, comments here, eight says one small issue I have with the movie is how they didn't notice their wine glasses super filled. He did poison them because only the poison wine was left. Now I take the opposite tact on this. Uh, I, I say that if there was no poison, if there was no wine in the bottle with the poison, that's what the one he would have poured, right? So the blue bottle was the one that had the poison in it. And the green one was the one that was empty. Now, you can still debate as to whether he covered his tracks and poured the poison wine out of the blue bottle and then refilled the blue bottle with the green, just in case they looked to see if it, if that blue bottle still had wine in it or not. Um, and so I have always taken this to book to mean that he, I don't know if I still don't know if he did. I, I have, a, I have this feeling like I don't, I, I, I first watched this. I didn't think he did because the painting see here, there's so many different things. Yeah. Who did the painting then? If it right. was, if it was because the Jonathan Penner guy is the guy who's the artist all the way through this and he's yeah. drawing all the stuff. Um, who, who did the painting? Then the movie could just be saying, Oh, he didn't do the painting. That's us doing the painting. That's us telling you what happened. Yeah. So it could, it, it may not have anything to do with like physically who could have drawn the painting or anything like that. The other thing is, yes, it shows them all dead, but it also could mean that he killed them through his intelligence. And that's what they meant by well, and that. He does, uh, you know, I, I do have to give credit a possibility that he didn't do it because the, I do think that whole Hitler question, would you kill him? And he says, no, I would try and change his mind through intelligent debate, maybe foreshadowing there uh, as to what his, because we, he does not present as a person who would actually kill by the time we're done getting to know him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I feel like if that paint, maybe that painting means more than I think it does. I, I like the idea that maybe Mark painted that as a hypothetical after they realized he could have killed them. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, I do think before, before we get too far, I mean, we're running out of time cause we talked a lot about this movie, but I want to talk about those graves because they, they did not need to make those graves so obvious. Like, do they, no. are, are they averse to digging down? Because I guess. It looks like nobody plants tomatoes on mounds the size of a buried person. You right. plant them flat in the ground or in a planter. And so, may, again, maybe that's part of this, you know, not reality universe where they're just trying to give us a visual cue. That, yeah. Or maybe it's just a another it's, indication of how these intelligent people are actually stupid. Um, exactly. Exactly. And And... Honestly, the movie needs them to be mounds so that Ron Perlman can see that out there and and the cop can see that out there. And, but you're right. Like if you're going to go through with this, you have a fenced in backyard. No one, no one's going to be looking at what you're doing back there. Dig deeper, <laughs> get, get, get the, get that crap. Uh, make that less obvious for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ron Perlman's uh, performance in this. I trying to think if this was my first Ron Perlman experience uh, mm. back in the day. He had been in quite a few things before this, but uh, and I'll, and I think a lot of Jean Pierre Jeunet movies had come out with him in it. Um, and this is well before Hellboy, but this is one of my favorite, like all time, like small performances in a movie. He just commands that room uh so well and um uh but yeah i think this is an interesting movie i don't know how many people in our chat uh liked it it does have uh a fun debate back and forth uh you know of what happened and and i do and and yeah it has a lot of relevance to today because these what the these people that they're killing they're they have opinions that are very close to what we're hearing in the mainstream. Yep. Remember back in the nineties, this was kind of fringe type of stuff. Like the, the people who would spout this kind of thing. I don't think the, I don't think the anti-gay preacher was, a was, uh, all that uncommon. Right. But, uh, but going straight out and saying, I think Hitler had some right ideas and stuff like that. He says that literally says that. Um, uh, you know, I don't think that was something that you said with, uh, you know, in a, in a dinner party with anybody, you know, uh, uh, back in that, back in those days. 
but uh it's uh it's a really fun movie and i think it does hold up for the most part there are some parts in it that i think you would definitely change for today but uh who knows maybe maybe it, maybe it needs to be this in your face in some some in some yeah cases. it's it's but. it's weird when a movie comes along that has a second relevance like this uh or was maybe just eerily prescient who knows mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i enjoyed it i enjoyed getting to watch it again um all right especially, especially well, that bill paxton man yeah man uh all right so what is going to be your double feature for the last supper be very very quiet secret what secret a dirty little secret i tell you something i've never told anyone i feel like uh, the double feature, the obvious double features are The Hunt and Arsenic and Old Lace, um, mm-hmm. where people are killing, um, one for political reasons, one using arsenic in a wine. Um, mm-hmm. It's just too on the nose for me, even though my ultimate choice is also pretty on the nose. I, I flirted long and hard with Widows. Um, mm-hmm. where it's a group of women whose husbands were into crime and they decide because now they have no money and they owe a gangster that they're going to do crime um, and they have pretty ideological reasons but I ultimately felt like my pick needed to have two things murders and some comedy like dark comedy okay. so I'm going with Heathers which Ooh, is uh, Heathers. pretty on the nose but it has some accidental deaths based on the first death is accidental where they're just mm-hmm. trying to teach somebody a lesson. Uh, they have what seem to be good ideals. Uh, they were wronged by most of the victims they go after. Uh, it's got a dark comic undertone. Um, it just doesn't have the cliffhanger ending that this one has because they basically get away with it in Heather's. Uh, and Heather's, if you have not seen it, is uh, full of triggers related to suicide and mm-hmm. gunplay and things like that. Um, <clears throat> if you know that going in, you do a little research, um, hopefully... Uh, won't get triggered but i think that would be tonally um and topically the right way to go to double feature this thing heathers is excellent uh an excellent movie and uh uh potentially a big recommend one day um but uh i like this choice as well dark comedy with lots of deaths in it uh you you know you, you can't you can't go wrong if you're if you're double featuring these two so i'm i'm down i'm down absolutely i did i flirted I'm, I know I'm saying like five or six. I did flirt with very bad things, which has an mm-hmm. accidental murder yep. and Cameron yep. Diaz. And that murder leads to even more crime to try and cover yep. up the murder. But <laughs> yep. that movie's so bad. I cannot ask anyone to no, ever watch. No, I, I was sitting there thinking the same thing. I was like, very bad things would be a, a like, uh, I don't know, a spiritual double feature for this, but it's not good enough. Right. Uh, and then they of course then they made the the female version of this with rough night later yeah. on Ugh, so. which is just as bad i hated that pretty movie. much the same movie uh, uh, all right really what is, is uh what is uh next week's movie jeremy well listen i saw some comments last week hoping for some christmas movie on recotopia um and my initial reaction was well the, the problem with that is the shows the spirit of the show is trying to expose movies that maybe you haven't seen or haven't seen in ages uh, or movies that we like that aren't mainstream popular and mm. Christmas movies by almost definition are mainstream popular. Uh, yep. Many of them get, like elf gets watched probably every year by mm-hmm. millions and millions of people. I don't want to recommend elf because I'm not bringing you anything you haven't already had access to, but I did think of a movie set at Christmas time that we've talked about and flirted with, and I'm going to go ahead and recommend it, and that is The Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, um, this is so good. This is uh, mm-hmm. Rennie Harlan directing his wife, Tina Davis, Sam Jackson, a script from um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang Guy. Um, yeah, Shane Black, who's Shane Mr. Black. Christmas. Uh, Mr. Really Christmas, is. by the he way. He sneaks yeah. Christmas into so many movies. Uh, this movie is available on Paramount+. Plus. It is available on Showtime. It is available on a, a streaming service called Vicky? Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of that. <laughs> you can call me Vicky. Um, Vicky. Yeah, Showtime and Paramount Plus looks to be uh, the best place to see it. It's 1996 action comedy set at Christmas, and we're going to have a good time because I haven't seen this in probably 15 years, but I know I love it. I uh, I saw it last year um, because we uh, interviewed Rennie Harlan uh, for a movie that he he made uh, last year and uh, wanted to get some questions in about this movie as well. 
but uh, I saw it last year. It's uh, it's really good. It's a really good movie. Really fun. Shane Black is just he's just one of those one of those screenwriters that gets it. You know, if, if he's making a if he's making a movie like Long Kiss Goodnight, he knows exactly how to make that entertaining. Yep. Um, uh, you know, so I, 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 yeah, I, I can't wait to see this again as well. This is fun. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, so, mm. um, maybe time for a question or two. Yeah, I think we got time for a question or two. Question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Uh, what actors are the most irreplaceable in their roles? So that if that movie had been made with a different actor in that role, the movie would not have ended up as good as it was. Um, Keanu Reeves in the matrix. I think Mm. that is pretty clear, even though Will Smith was approached to be Neo. Uh, and that's, I think that's why I thought about this is that I'm sitting there thinking how this movie would be, how the matrix would be if Will Smith had been in it. And, um, and like, I don't know, man. And I think the whole movie is different. It may still be good, but like, it just, I, there's something about Keanu Reeves and his, so his, like his, the way he is. And that, so that, 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 whoa type of thing that he is, uh, going through these movies, you need to have somebody like him. Will Smith is puts on the air of somebody who's a lot smarter yeah. you know, in the role, even though Neo is technically supposed to be kind of a smart guy, he knows his, he knows his way around computers and things like that. But, um, uh, I just, th- I'm sitting, I I've thought about Will Smith being in that matrix that Keanu mm. Reeves made and I just can't see it. And by the way, uh, we have seen this in real life with speed Two when Keanu Reeves wasn't in speed Two. uh, and we saw how bad that was. Listen, so. Jason Patrick is an incredible actor. What the fuck mm-hmm. did they do to him in that movie? It's turned to be wood. No, I don't know. I have no idea. Oh man. Um, um, well, listen. I think I want to make a distinction here because I think a person can be perfect in the role, perfect casting, but mm-hmm. still not be quote unquote the only person who could have done it. For instance, I think if they actually had cast Tom Cruise as Iron Man. Oh uh, God! I think he would have killed that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think Robert Downey Jr. is incredible. Uh, I think he was perfectly cast, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure he was the only one who could do it. So, in the spirit of the question, I'm giving you Andrew Garfield in Tick Tick Boom, oh. because even though I still think that movie is like a B for me overall, mm-hmm. I have never ever seen an, a performance that electric. Uh, yeah, and I feel yeah. that he just became that guy mm-hmm. um and it's just really rare for me to see uh somebody that electric and so i i thought about who are his contemporaries that might have gotten this role and it just it makes me shiver every time and there's the story lynn manuel tells about because he he cast him without knowing if andrew could sing and so andrew was doing these singing lessons and lynn manuel's hiding behind the corner so that andrew doesn't know he's there and he hits this high note. Lynn comes running around, hugging him, goes, you can sing, you can sing. <laughs> um, which just makes me think, I mean, they could have dubbed the singing, I guess, but it just makes me think how perfect Garfield ultimately was because Lynn mm-hmm. Manuel, um, he probably knows this this person as well as anyone. Um, yeah. So that's my answer. I just kind of yeah. remember, I just remember seeing this and going, "This is we've never seen this side of Andrew Garfield before, I don't think. Right. He's, he's, he's got a new gear on this one. Um, in the chat, we have Josh says, Robert England as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, sure. Good, good answer. Um, uh, Castro says, Rami Malek and Mr. Robot. Um, Slab also mentioned the uh, RDJ and Iron Man one. Uh, that one, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, clearly, it, I, I think Tom Cruise would have would have would have done great too. But I don't know if we he would have gotten him for six or seven movies either. So agreed. Uh, JC says also the actor Matt Damon in The Martian. Yeah, that's a mm-hmm. good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid that played Ralphie in Christmas Story. Um, mm. Uh, my answer is that extra in the last castle, you know, the one without him, that movie bombs. That's correct. Uh, the movie, 
the movie i sad to say did bomb even with uh that extra <laughs> who was me in the movie so uh i don't know what we're going for there but uh i, I think you're right i think that movie loses something without my presence so <laughs> all right i think that's probably gonna do it for today all right <laughs> yep that's gonna do it for uh this week uh yeah next week is the long kiss good night that's a good movie i know everybody's going to enjoy that one um uh this is uh that's gonna be a lot of fun um but uh anyway that's uh that's this week that's a show that was that was a show right there One show in the bank <clears throat> um we will see you guys next time thank you so much chat for coming out Thanks, there everybody. and uh cranking it up so we'll uh we'll see you next time see ya part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema sins.com that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema sins.com seeing this uh trending quote from uh jennifer lawrence i guess the i think it's the rap does this actors interviewing actors series and mm -hmm. she and viola davis have a conversation and the quote i haven't seen the whole conversation my guess is this is probably being taken a little out of context mm -hmm. but the quote circulating is jennifer lawrence saying back i remember back when i was doing hunger games no one had ever put a woman in an, in the lead of an action movie before. Oh. And Twitter is going, so Jennifer Lawrence just doesn't watch movies then? <laughs> um, and I'm sure yeah. it's probably not exactly how she wanted to articulate the point she was making. Um, but I won't be surprised if tomorrow she like puts out a statement saying, of course, there have been plenty of female action stars before me. It's yeah. not exactly what I meant. I just think it's got to suck to have every single thing you say scrutinized. Well, especially since she probably means. Now, she could also just be talking out of her ass, too. I, we, we don't want to always say that people just have the best intentions. but <laughs> This is true. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you, you, you make a movie like Hunger Games, and, and at the time, there weren't very many, like, female-driven action movies. Like... You know, they, they at the time they weren't funding them or or, right. or making them. Uh, but I think Electra came out around that. Maybe that now Electra was uh, before that. I think Electra was before that. Um, but I think just, Zoe Saldana was in uh, was in was in Colombiana was Colombiana stuff like that. But they weren't huge. No, they weren't huge budgets either, and that may have mm -hmm. been what where she was going. Is yeah, you know. The, the movies that spend 150 million dollars these days are usually about men and she's not wrong yeah uh, but uh i just thought that was <laughs> you just imagine doing an interview and then you, you're, you're done and your publicist goes okay this is probably going to trend on twitter because you said it this way and it's going to make mm. you look like you're out of touch but, yeah 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 <laughs> when in reality everything i've read about her suggests she's one of the more down-to-earth celebrities that mm -hmm. we have yeah um i remember before she was married uh, she was quoted in an interview saying it's hard for her to date because people feel like they have to act a certain way in front of her and she just wants somebody who's going to be real. Um, <clears throat> Is she not married? I thought she was. Mar she got married. No, I, before she was married. Th oh, this she was married. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's married and, and has a little kiddo now, too. You may have said that she was married in, that, in the run-up to that quote. I did not hear that, but... That's all right. It's all right. I have decided to forgive you. Um, I found this uh, website on Reddit yesterday that somebody shared that was an asteroid impact simulator. Mm -hmm. And so you pick a location. I chose New York City. Um, and then over on the right, you dial in how big the asteroid is, how fast it's going, and what its angle of impact is. Mm -hmm. And then you click go and you see this. And it's like... Uh, it looks like a Google map that has a, an orange explosion expanding on it. But the cool thing is, well, then you go over to the right and scroll down for days, and it tells you all these statistics. Like, mm -hmm. uh, the impact 
alone killed 1,500,000 people. Uh, People 20 miles away uh, were knocked off their feet, yada, yada. And then it's like, okay, what about the... uh, the pulse wave or whatever. Uh, well, that killed 3 million people up to 50 miles away, yada, yada. Okay, well, what about um, the debris field? And it's just all these different ways that an asteroid will kill people. Wow. Um, and uh, I, I was like, this is awesome. So then I went to Nashville and started tweaking again. I was like, this is just depressing. Mm. It's like a super cool thing that somebody spent a ton of time doing, but after doing it once, I don't want to do it anymore. Well, and the insane thing, you may have touched on this during your description of it. The insane thing to me is that you could not, you could be nowhere near the asteroid and uh, in its impact and any of the uh, sort of the ripple effects of that. And then the actual dirt going into the atmosphere (laughs) is what might end up killing you before it's over because it will block out the sun and... Uh, you know, in addition to you potentially like breathing that stuff in, but like no, mainly blocking out the atmosphere. Uh, no sun, may, may, basically nothing can grow. Becomes a whole new ice age. Nuclear winter, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right after the Ukraine war started, <clears throat> I think I tweeted something about. Oh, I for, almost forgot what it was like to worry about like nuclear war. Uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. But like somebody. And on the Nashville subreddit did this huge post. I can find it and like send it to you later of basically, okay, here's what's going to happen to Nashville if there is a nuclear war. Because for several reasons, Nashville would be a strategic target. Uh, Fort Campbell is one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this guy went through all this detail. All right. So if you're within this many miles, uh, you'll probably survive the blast. Uh, and I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to survive the blast. And then it was like, but unless you have an airtight home, the radiation's probably going to kill you. Uh, <laughs> if you would like to survive the radiation, here's what you should do. Get two huge buckets, like paint buckets. One will be for water and one will be for you to do your bathroom business in. Find a closet and seal off the closet with as much duct tape as you can find to keep it airtight. Have cans of beans or whatever, yada, yada. Uh, you have to do this to the poop bucket or else the fumes will kill you. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and after two weeks, it's like, all right, now you can probably go out, but you're not going to be able to grow anything. Anything yeah. that's edible is already tainted and ruined. Uh, and you're probably still going to get radiation poisoning and die. Uh, and I was like, you know what? If there's a nuclear war, I'm just going to kiss my wife just, and turn away from the window. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like uh, uh, uh going to be like everybody and don't look up where you're just let's just have a dinner and 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 live out our last few days, you know, happy. I remember somebody posted before that had posted what what what's your plan if there's a nuclear war? The top comment was die? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like do I have mm-hmm. an option? Yeah. I'm not sure I do. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 